right, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D stream, Roll for Damage. Limited edition, get your supplies while supplies last. So um, last time on the show, the Shields of Twilight got a little bit spiritual. Uh, divine intervention from an unexpected source saved Oriana just in time for the gang to embark on the third part of their three-part uh, little Oshiden quest thing, uh, the spirit walk. Uh, anyway, they did some drugs, um, had some very symbolic visions, and met a handful of gods face to face uh, who were not perhaps what you would expect, but very interesting. Um, fun times. Uh, the characters then got their metal tested once again, uh, but especially Quinn, and we'll be talking about all of that great weirdness. The sun's really in my face, sorry. Um, <laughs> starting right now. Uh, then a bit later, we'll be talking about the ins and outs of player engagement. Um, as always, stick around after the stream for stuff to think about, organizations to support, a uh, great place to send your spare change. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. I have closed my blinds and can now sort of see. Um, so joining me today, we have two wonderful guests who you might be familiar with. Uh, we've got Jake, who plays the recently undeceased Oriana. And we've got Chad, who plays Quinn, who had a big day. Um, yeah, man. So, so nobody's still, nobody's dead, but stuff's still complicated. What's the damage this time? Uh, I yield the floor to the recently deceased. You uh, all looked so relieved when Orion came back. You were all like, <sighs> I, was, yeah. I, I was surprised that uh, we got an opportunity that quick. Like I had been told that DM mm -hmm. had, had plans, but I didn't realize plans as in like, no, like first thing when we get in plans. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Love it. Um, congratulations on surviving to fly another day. Uh, so you've been dead quite a few times. Uh, this was, was number four? 
third death death i believe third death death yeah so you're fourth resurrection technically since one right so we talk about Sinric being up and down but honestly i think you've got him a bit beat at this point um so he goes he goes down but he usually gets back up right away the problem Uh is when i go down i go down (laughs) then he bounces back Yeah, maybe a yo-yo. Her string gets cut at the bottom. Is what, is, is, is yeah, Cynric's a yo-yo. I'm a apple. <laughs> hey, you know, without you, we wouldn't have a theory of gravity. So you keep doing what you're doing. All right, into the head of Newton. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, which god has it out for you, other than the obvious one? And also, how is Oriana coping with her? with A, so many brushes with death, and B, her latest one, she seemed okay, considering. Um, well, to answer the first question, uh, the god of dice, apparently, that's what hates Oriana, because it's always a Thank random you. roll of the die that seems to <laughs> The god of math and dice. Um, Probabilitor, or whatever it is, from Gravity Falls. You know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yes, the math wizard, yeah. as played by Weird Al. As far as how is she feeling about it at this point, uh, this last one, uh, since she really wasn't out for that long, it seemed, mm-hmm. um, she uh, didn't realize, I guess, the, the how in the shit she was since the first resurrection failed and all. Mm-hmm. Um, until after, you know, she asked about it. But at that point, it was just kind of like a well, wait a minute, what happened then? Because if it failed, how am I back? And mm-hmm. wait, what do you mean you gave something up? What's going on here? And like nobody answered her questions. So eventually she was just like, okay, either they don't know what happened or they're not going to tell me unless something else happens. So it's the first thing. I'm just going to leave it alone <laughs> and figure it out might later. Know, but he's not talking. Well, as far as the rest of us, it's the first thing. We're all as clueless as we normally are. So you know, we got to maintain that. It's on brand for us. I, I have theories that the DM may or may not have confirmed or denied. You want to share? Or can you? Uh, DM? No, no? Okay. I'm not allowed to share. I see a, I see a no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just have to find out. Oh, well. Um, oh, I was going to ask something else, but then I forgot. We'll come back to it. Um, do, 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 do. So... Yeah, it's been so many times. Did you guys think she was going to pull through this time? Or like, Jake, were you already getting excited for your next character? Or uh, I don't know if I would say getting excited for my next character. I, I think if and when this backup character eventually comes forward, it's not necessarily going to be I'm excited to play this character because Oriana is like my secret favorite character ever. So having to say goodbye to her permanently will probably sour that moment. I'm sure I'll learn to love the new character, but like Oriana is like a part of me now. Uh, This new character is like, how dare you stand where she stood? Um, And you just got new art, so. Yeah, Yeah. just got new art too. You just Um, got new art. You don't even look like what what you look like in the art yet. And to die before you even get to go shopping for that dumb outfit would just be like, adding insult to stab wounds the the funny thing is i already started buying stuff for the cosplay and the outfit actually came in the day of the the game 
So that, I'm that, like, that well, hopefully we find a resur way to resurrect her because I have the outfit now. <laughs> yeah, that would have been some very dramatic irony. Yeah. Honestly, if uh, I was at Orion, if I was Orion at this point, I would just think I was immortal. I'd be like, I literally can't die. <laughs> oh no, no, she she knows she's not immortal. She she knows it's because she keeps going down. Yeah, um, but like. We, we did talk, DM and I, about what may end up happening. And DM, you could do a head shake or, uh, if you don't want me to talk about this. But uh, we did talk about specifically what would happen if it came to um, uh, reincarnation. Indeed. Okay. I got the okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she had me roll. Uh, and I think I got human, halfling, and dwarf. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, just imagining oriana as a dwarf or a halfling isn't the it, that's not oriana oh, like yeah. at all um halfling I, oriana I, i'm sorry that would have totally been a for, been good for her it would have been very interesting think of uh, all the ones you could re-roll i'm I, yeah it was the wrong halfling oh dang yeah um and then uh she also gave me the opportunity to roll again uh during the ritual if it happened. Um, so we don't know what that last one would have been. We talked about the irony of it being Asimar, though. <laughs> Going from a tiefling to an Asimar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I probably would have gone human. I probably would have gone human. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay, so what do you guys make of all this weird color-coded stuff, evil Power Rangers. Have you learned anything? <laughs> I think I talked about this a little bit last episode, but I did have not talked about it with you guys. Mm. Lots of theories have been flying every which way. Yeah, there are a ton of theories about what that would mean. I have no idea which one it would be, and I <laughs> am beyond the point of speculating. Whatever it is, I imagine that every single thing we have set up to this point is probably utter crap, and it's going to be something we have not considered at all. But it's one of those things where as soon as it does come up, we're just going to collectively, oh. we're all of us at the same time are going to do the Captain Picard face palm of, oh God, why didn't we think of it? You know? Love it. I, I agree with that sentiment that once we finally learn what it all means, we're going to be like, a, oh, we're idiots. Why didn't we see this the whole time? I mean, that's how it usually goes. Uh, Whenever there's, there's so some much sort of twist. But Whenever I, there's I, some sort of twist down in front of us, like, hey, what if it's that? What if it's that? What if it's that? What is that? No, it wasn't. It was this other thing, slightly to the left of the first thing that you completely overlooked. Dang. Mm -hmm. That's just how we do. The the colors are what throws me off because whenever I think of like classic D&D, &D, those five colors, all I can think of are the chromatic colors for dragons, mm -hmm. but... I've already had it confirmed to me multiple times that no, it's nothing to do with Tiamat. <laughs> um, so I know that. I we talked about it before. We we talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, on this side, I believe the last time I was mm -hmm. on. Um, but uh, yeah, my I, my brain just keeps going back to that. So I've given up trying to think of what it is, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get some sort of clue the next time Sinric's story becomes. Uh, in the, well, rather, gets a time in the spotlight. I will get some kind of clue that leads us to a, 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 either narrowing it down or actually learning whatever this happens to be. 
Should be interesting. Well, it'll be um, very interesting, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, so before we move on to talking about the spirit walk, the various spirit walks, I wanted to ask you, Jake, something about, um, well, something that's been like a little bit of a leitmotif, um, but specifically your conversation with Baltaim, where you discussed Asmodeus, um, and you referenced something that's come up a couple times, which is what Lex said about something, something redeeming a god. That's a good quote. I don't remember it. Um, so is that, in fact, Oriana's ambition? Um, is she getting into Asmodeus, but I don't know what the term for the church is, with the intention of stirring shit up? I believe it'd be called devilry. Devilry. Continue. She wants to learn more before she fully commits. And Asmodeus has pretty much said as much. Like, until you learn more, you're not going to be able to truly be a follower. Um, the the decision to walk that path or start walking that path or finding that path definitely happened the last time she died and he helped her. Mm -hmm. And she's willing to learn more and try and figure it out. And if she sees that his path is something she could walk and is willing to do then she will definitely walk it. You know, if, if she learns that one of his tenets is to, hey, subjugate every living person you see so that they bend the knee to you, she's probably not going to be very interested in that. But I highly doubt that DM has made uh, Asmodeus that, um, shall we say, evil for the sake of evil. Um, is she I'm not evil? even 100% sure he's evil. I, I kind of get the feeling the way she plays him, he's more of like a chaotic, well, not chaotic, lawful neutral, almost. Like, a, I, like I'm not going to lead you down the path of sin, but, you know, hey, hey we have cookies. <laughs> but it sure is uh, over here if you want it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see about that. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that when we get to Zuma, there's at least like a church that Oriana can go to, if not to Asmodeus, then to at least learn more about him. Um, and if that means she has to pretend that she's a, a, a follower of some other god, she will. Um, but she wants to learn more before she commits to it, but she's not against the idea of committing to it. Did she already commit to it? I kind of thought so with the whole, you know, uh, change in the mage hand and the fiery eyeballs and stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, I get the feeling since he kind of ignored her at the <laughs> at the meet and greet um, that she hasn't really committed fully. She's kind of like, hey, give me the contract and just hasn't signed it, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Asmodeus just doesn't micromanage. <laughs> I definitely don't think he micromanages. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think any of the gods micromanage because that's kind of what Oriana asked Ayun to do. And she's kind of like, a, no, and Ayun just path. like blocked you. Go, go, to, yeah. go to school, she's like, go to school, get an education. Come on. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah, so you guys actually did meet up with some gods who did not talk to Oriana. Yeah, um, I got ignored by both mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, they found a kid they like you. more. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah, but like talk, talk to me about this meeting. It was um, 
lively. It was. I mean, it's kind of hard to hard to get into because the thing with Quinn is he kind of knew at least a little bit of the dynamic going in of like they're very similar to normal people, seeing as how the there's the sister brother dynamic that you got to see when Bane and Laura were both talking to him, and then to see that expanded a little further was sort of like I should have expected this, but at the same time I didn't expect this exactly mm -hmm. so it was just interesting to see what are basically normal people who could crack the planet in half if they felt like it uh just bickering about family squabbles they're just like level 20 characters you'll be able to yeah. crack the planet someday i mean yeah that's that's a dream just you know, <laughs> level 20 diviner guaranteed diviner is like hey get rid of the moon and then just, there's no more moon <laughs> That would cause so many problems. I know. That's when Quinn becomes a supervillain. <laughs> now, the world will pay that. me a ransom if they want the moon returned. I'll be like one um, million. I'll be like dollars. Cobra Commander. A billion pieces of gold. Love it. So this is uh, Quinn's future. Yep. In the future, he's going to finally turn to the dark side, become a supervillain. He's going to get rid of the moon for a week. And then by the end of the week, he's going to get paid all the money in the world to return said moon and then retire quietly to a continent that he owns. I like it. I do too. We'll, it's, we'll it's nice for something I literally we'll pulled out of my ass just yeah. now. Cool beans. Yeah, so Jake, apart from being ignored, do you have any thoughts about the whole thing? Um... Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious what the dynamic actually is now, because it seems like Melora and Bane are siblings. Ayun is their mother, it seems. I could only hazard a guess as to who the father is. Um, but Asmodeus referred to Ayun, to Oriana, as his aunt, if I remember correctly. But I don't know if that was him being literal or him just being like, a, oh, she would like metaphorical and yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to figure out is if he is Ayun's nephew, mm -hmm. then who's Ayun's brother or sister who sired him? And like, why would the cousin be there in the conversation? Maybe because of you know the people showing up maybe some other reason and then Arathis, we don't know how she fits in other than uh she and melora are uh betrothed so mm -hmm. um and i believe that was all of the ones who were there right it was it was five that were there ayun melora mm -hmm. Arathis, bane and asma you know yeah so that's yeah, what I'm kind of okay. curious about. And that, that's what Oriana's definitely curious about, is like trying to figure out the whole family tree now. And she marches in the first temple she sees. She's like, teach me mythology. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, wonderful. Okay, uh, so then let's talk about your spirit walks. Yay! Um, yeah, so you had uh, that nice little weird meeting with the gods, but before that, you all had some 
interesting and very symbolic visions. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm actually pulling it up right now so I can remind myself. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll start with you then. So Oriana had um, really interesting vision. There was home and darkness and shrouded figures and bravery and confidence, conviction. How should you interpret that? Um, Oriana is kind of taking this as the first set of visions as sort of the choices she's made and what has happened as a result. Mm-hmm. So visions of the past, of what her actions have caused, and uh, giving her uh, mentor Damien the instrument that apparently helped him escape. Um, her mother being in tears with her father comforting her, um, being probably when Oriana you know, ran away in the middle of the night without telling them. Uh, and then her mother having tea, trying to um, repair any damages Oriana's actions may have caused in terms of uh, with Cade, who, you know, is essentially one third of the government. Um, and then the other sets of visions are the choices she could make still, is, is how she's interpreting it. Uh, seeing her and Damien standing uh, in front of her house in Riverin, remorseful. Uh, she doesn't know quite what to make of the individual visions here, but she understands them to be like, these are the choices. These are the major choices you have to make in your life, or soon, probably. Um, standing with Cade, presumably married to him, and now a part of the government. Maybe. We'll find out. We'll see. Yeah. And then, of course, standing with her friends facing the darkness. That seems Mm -hmm. kind of more like a probably a foreshadowing what our end goal is going to be in River Ren. Neat. Um, What about you, Chad? I mean, mine was a bit more straightforward in the sense that I got to see the highlight reel of all the stuff that I've done of like this is just it was a nice establishment shot of this is who you are these are the things you have done and then since he already had the diverging path thing happen before this point with you know bane and melora both you can Mm -hmm. go this way or go this way both of those roads he doesn't really know what's on them exactly but he does know they both lead to the same location which was affirmed at the end of you're going to go into this dark horror and whatever's going to happen is what's going to happen. But that's what you've aimed yourself towards. So buckle up, sunshine. So, but I, I enjoyed the, like all the weird foreshadowing of all, of all of that, you know, like just, it's, it's a nice reminder of, ah, yes, the death trap I'm to walk into one day. Good to know you're still there. Know where you're going. You know, a lot yeah. of just kind of wander aimlessly through life. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice to know that there's a destination. There's a death trap at the end, <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe death. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. Um, cool thing. So yeah, you had that little initial vision, but you also had a very involved journey. You had like a little yeah, three-step quest inside your three-step quest, or was it two-step quest inside your three-step quest? There are multiple steps. It was three. Um, it was I had, three. I, had a, I had a trio of things, and then for the fourth, I get to get back together with everybody else and do don't know what. 
Yeah, so you've had a bit of like a nesting doll quest. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I, I was the Russian nesting doll of D&D. Yeah. I'm going to put that on a business card. I don't know Russian, why I would. Russian I, nesting doll mimic. Is it one mimic or is it eight? Mimic inside of a mimic inside. It's of a mimic collective. Okay, okay. Um, so your journey though, you had your little <laughs> nesting doll journey, um, yes. in which your your every choice had meaning, assumably. Mm -hmm. And it was all a test, assumably. Talk to me about it. I mean, it's hard to know whether or not Quinn actually did well with any of the things because like with the <laughs> first one, I'll be honest, I didn't catch the part where the guy was actually unconscious. I misheard. I thought he just was literally knocked down. Otherwise, <laughs> I probably would not have let him get mauled to death and done something about that differently. But it also kind of worked in character with him just like thinking, okay, first instinct is to try to protect stuff, but protect stuff by just applying violence to the other side of an equation to try and make it stop attacking and he mm -hmm. kind of tried to change the tactic a little bit on the second one but didn't quite get there which is kind of indicative of his whole learning curve it's like he's trying but he's still not quite getting there with uh, everything he's trying to do and the third one was just you know emotional gut punch of hell so that was awesome <laughs> delicious yeah um, yeah that's a so, <laughs> so was Quinn trying to do, trying to act according to Melora's tenets during the during the vision quest? He thinks he is, yeah. So I mean, that's mm -hmm. that was the intention for the character. Like, this is what he thinks would be would work. Is you know, the things on the other side of this are these weird, corrupted monster monstrosities. So diplomacy is most likely not going to be an option for these things, as far as like from what he's seen of these kinds of entities before, talking it out probably would not have functioned. So instead he just went for, all right, mitigate damage where possible and protect. Cool beans, what will it all mean? I do not know. <laughs> Lovely. I, I don't want to hear. <laughs> I want to- I do, I, I just, but I just Chad's trapped like, here so we can't say. Yeah. I'm stuck in this space, in this uh -huh. weird box. <laughs> We're all trapped. Oh no! I mean, really, isn't that what life is right now, anyway? <laughs> Too dark. <laughs> hey, you saw my weekend. <laughs> hey. Were you trying to say something before, or? I don't. Know, I said a bunch of stuff. Hey, okay, never mind. Um, okay, cool beans. So before we before we move on to our topic for today, I just wanted to ask uh, Jake real quick. Um, so obviously, Oriana is having a lot of um, religious stuff happening to her at the moment. It's all quite complicated. Uh, does she actually regret no longer following Ayun? Because oh, one hundred percent. She seemed very eager to apologize, but she also did not hesitate that much before taking Asmodeus's hand. I, I think that, first off, I think that's just peak Oriana, uh, taking the first path uh, available to her that uh -huh. seems to solve the problem without really considering the uh, the fallout. Uh, so I, honestly, that's just peak Oriana, and I wouldn't change anything about that. But she does 100% regret not following Ayun. Um, and if, if she does end up learning that 
the tenets of Asmodeus are not something she can tolerate, are not something that she can willfully practice because it just goes against something she believes in. You know, break every musical instrument you ever see or whatever. You know, something like utterly ridiculous and stupid that uh-huh. I doubt Serenity would do. Um, then she would try her her damnedest to put herself back in the good graces of Ione and try and figure out how to walk that path. Um, but as things stand, if if she can stomach the idea of uh, working on the tenets of Adam Smedatus, if, if she does not find them offensive, she will stick to her word and follow his path. Do you think I would want her back? It's going to be weird. Uh, I, I don't think Ayun. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, Doesn't matter. If I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Thing. I. I. I don't think Ayun would care. Um, if Oriana ends up walking her path, I think she'll be proud. Hopefully, I would think. If she doesn't, then hey, I understand. You couldn't follow the path. I'm not going to judge you for it. I guess. I don't know. Hmm. I think none of us know quite enough about the mythology of this world yet. Hopefully we'll find out a bit more to really theorize too much. Well, I could. I love theorizing. Um, the one thing yeah. we really know about Ayun is that she just values finding the truth and not taking others' truth as your own. So, um, pun not intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um so I, I, when it comes to if Oriana was to try and get back, I don't know if Ayun would necessarily care because Oriana's trying to find her truth, and that's all that really matters, I think. And she's doing what she wants, which is all that matters to Asmodeus, too. Honestly, like, Oriana's... The way she relates to religion is so interesting to me because I feel like she both really, really cares what gods think and also does not give a fuck about anything about them. It's It's... She cares about Ayun. Um, Does she? In, in a way, indirectly, not uh-huh. in a religious way. She cares about Ayun because to her, Ayun is is the is the great librarian. All the greatest stories are in she likes the idea her library. Yeah, she likes the idea of Ayun, and that's kind of why she she isn't really a cleric type who mm-hmm. actively worships, but rather admires the goddess and what she stands for. Ayun um, stands. And it, yeah, and and with Asmodeus, the idea here is, is that he's offered to not necessarily give her power or anything like that, but to help her find her own path, whatever that ends up being, whether that's with him or some other path. And he did, in a way, help save her. So she's willing to learn more about his path and see if it's something that she can follow if it's something that she can stand but she feels no obligation to say pay him back she she will she will if it all works out so she doesn't feel any obligation to pay him right right now right now she feels she owes him a chance to learn the truth for herself and to walk the path if if she can agree with it again like if if, if is secretly really mercenary when it comes to faith she, kind of. I mean, yeah, she isn't really. So she isn't really a person of faith. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Calm down. 
um yeah, she's, she's very opp- opportunistic she would with want, her allegiances. She would want to she would want to be a follower of Ayun if she could be. But she has promised Asmodeus, you helped me. I am beholden to my word. I will try to follow your path. Only if she wants to. <laughs> no, I Only if she to, wants to be clear, to, that, to be clear, thing. I love it. But that's the thing. If she finds out that his path is something she can walk, she's willing to walk it. She's willing. Yeah. So to walk only that if she path. wants. But only if she wants to. But that—that's what he's basically told her. <laughs> it could be argued that's a very Asmodeus way of looking at uh, debt. It's—it's it's also a very Ayun um, way of looking at it because it—it it would be her. Tr- she would take it as her truth. Okay. I like it. <laughs> She, listen, oh, she's we'll a bard. She's, a, she's great at working the words. <laughs> she's a bard. She's great at working the words in her favor. Great at the, the subtle art of spin. Yeah, yeah and she's going to be going up against the guy who invented contract law. That's going to go <laughs> real, real well. Oh, no. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, again, like, I. Hey, look, hey, hey. There are lots of stories about musicians tricking the devil. I think she's got. Maybe a little bit of. A I mean, she would have had a chance, but then she lost the violin. So I mean, that's like the one thing. Well, it's like the, the fiddle contest is the flute. one proven thing you can do to defeat the devil. No fiddle, no victory. I'm sorry, but until we get a fiddle, Oriana's is fucked. I think a flute would work fine. I sorry, no. Kidding. There's no. There's no See, song by I, Jethro Tull about beating the band, beating now, the devil. Now you happen. now you've put it into her brain. We're gonna find a violin, and it's gonna be just the most country fiddlest sounding violin in the history of fiddles and violins. <laughs> I don't see a problem with that. Love it. Okay. Ooh, like uh, oh, what's her face? Something silver. Uh, we do have to move on. Um, so. We just talked about the subtle art of tricking the devil, and now we're going to talk about another subtle art, that of engagement, which is, I think, the secret spice that turns any game from okay to very nice. Um, Because, you know, games of make-believe like D&D only really work if everyone's fully bought in. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of silliness, which you just have to embrace. (laughs) Yeah, without the buy-in, it's all just crap. Yeah, without the buy-in, it's just throwing little little dice around. Little number rocks. Throwing pretty math rocks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Math rock game. Um, Cool beans. So, as we often do, we're going to start this off with definitions. What do you guys think a fully engaged player looks like? And what is that? I, I think it depends on the type of player you are. Kind of, but there's also just a baseline level of investment that is easy to sort of pick out, maybe not visually, but you know, just the way someone would behave. Like if someone is just committed to trying to get the, get the story told just overall in the game, uh, trying to figure out how they fit in with everything else that's going on, not just what they're doing, but also like how do they fit into like the wider world of everything around them, you know, like... If you're, because if you're gonna buy in, you don't, you don't stop at your own narrative because no story is on its own. Every story touches another story somehow, and in order to be completely immersed, it is a base requirement of you've got to invest beyond your own story and dig into everything else around you too. So, like, just yeah, someone who is willing to just 
understand what their thing means for everybody else as long as just what their thing means for them. Neat. Now, Jake, do you have anything to add to that or? Uh, well, yeah, I guess. Um, there are different ways that people can be engaged. Like I know Laura takes notes on everything, everything <laughs> for every player. She has notes on it. I could probably, I, I, I bet she probably has Lex's quote written down verbatim to Oriana. And I have just a little brief summary of it because I, for me, being engaged is absorbing the moment being in the character's mindset and, and doing that. And I, the character is not going to, you know, be writing while they're having a conversation with- okay, I don't take notes again. Uh, yeah. I, I, I take notes when something super important has come up, either for the collective story or for my character's story. Um, but especially if my character isn't present for something, I do not take notes on it. Because I don't want to be able to go, oh yeah, my character 100% knows this and goes into it. I still actively engage in the story because it, it's storytelling. I, I, I love listening to stories. Um, and I do my best to try and make sure I don't bleed any of that knowledge into the character I'm playing. But I also don't want to take notes on it and then come back to it later. Oh yeah, I was present for this. And then go with a false narrative or something. Uh, which is part of the reason why a lot of the times I, I play Oriana as very inquisitive of a, hey, how did you guys get me back? Because mm -hmm. not only does she honestly want to know, like, hey, what happened? She all it, it also helps me as the player connect what player knows with what character knows so that I don't have to worry about the, oh, you, you guys failed the ritual on on me right you know oh. like like how would oriana know that unless she talked to them mm. so for me my engagement comes in the form of my character inquiring about things to try and gain player knowledge as character mm. well that and also kind of ties into the thing i was going because really engagement just comes down to how attentive are you to what's going on around you like mm -hmm. do like how much are you paying attention and even that's kind of not a solid benchmark because, you know, some of us play D&D &D with Gun on Wednesdays who frequently asks questions like, okay, so are we outside? Like at the end of this whole long description of where we are, people are having a whole conversation, dude doesn't even remember his own backstory, but like, and, and, so he can, and he can never remember like the location, just the basic detail about the location. Is this a bar? No, you moron, it's a cave. But like, it was it was so funny. Laura knew know. more about that guy's backstory than he did. It was hilarious. Some people just got bad memories, like a lost toddler in a theme park, just leading him on. Man, it was just, and it's it, and like, was he unengaged? Do you see, think that's the was thing. It's like beyond just not understanding what's going on ninety percent of the time. He's there for it, you know. Like he's he's in to play the game at least. It's just like. His, his attention just sort of wavers consistently. He, he also has these weird moments of lucidity where like he, yes. he has like the perfect idea to solve a problem mm -hmm. that no one else in the group thought of. So it, it's weird. He like contrasts between yeah. not necessarily knowing where he is or, or even at one point we, we were, I was, I, cause I DM that game. I gave him an opportunity to explore his character's own development mm -hmm. And he just kind of like, 
bowed out and said, no, you got, you guys handle this. You guys have more experience with handle, handling the god I pray yeah, to. I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's weird. It, it's really yeah. weird. It is, because like you said, those weird moments of lucidity, it's like, you know, you put an infinite number of monkeys in a room with an infinite number of typewriters and you will eventually get Hamlet. That is what happens with him every once in a while, to be or not to be. Huh. So to me, that sounds like an engaged player with a bad memory, which happens. Yeah, um, it's potentially, so yeah. What, yeah. what do you guys think an unengaged player looks like? Like, how do you clock that? Oh, we have a perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You first. Uh, the, the monk in an underground cave full of spores throwing <laughs> the torch. <laughs> Is that unengaged or just silly? I mean, well, I mean, part of it was not paying attention because whatever was happening was not about them because this person would like, the the character they were playing, essentially if their character wasn't somehow involved in the narrative at the moment, they would just Mm -hmm. sort of wander off and like go take a nap or something. Literally, that is what happened is they decided to go to sleep somewhere else. And then when things started getting interesting again, like, oh, oh, am I there for this? nah bitch you're sleeping you're sleeping and like and that was consistent like Mm. this thing would just keep occurring in various forms like things aren't interesting enough well they just they wander off somewhere else things start getting interesting they try and worm the way back him but no 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 you're either there for all of it you're there for none of it yeah but that is one way an unengaged player looks there's also like i remember there's another example of a different player where we in another in a home game uh we were like halfway through a thing that was going on in a casino right my the character i was playing was trying to talk his way into something in said casino Mm -hmm. now this is predicated on the fact that he would have had access to the party's money because you know you got to be able to flash a wad of something in order to get in in a damn casino it's it makes perfect sense. That's the rules, yeah. Halfway into this thing, the one player whose character just happened to have the bag of holes is like, no, I wouldn't have given them the money. No, I don't want anything to do with the casino. Like, no, I don't feel like it. Like, I don't think you understand what's happening. You're basically saying that you're okay that my character might be getting stabbed a whole bunch of times if they don't have the money they were saying they had. 15 minutes after I talked myself into the situation, this is an information you would have given, you know, earlier when you were sitting there supposedly listening. Like, really? That's, I don't, I don't no. make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that's one way of, it's like someone who is either like, at, you get to the point where the attention's not there. And then like when they do latch onto what is going on, like, oh no, I hate that. I don't want to. And like, why didn't you stop before I got to this point? You, because, you, it's a cooperative storytelling game. You could have stepped in. You could have said something. You could be like, no, I don't really, f- I, my character says they don't want to do that thing. All right, option B then. But if we're halfway into option A, we've passed the point of no return a long time ago. Rip. Rip to Indeed. your casino plan. <laughs> yeah. It worked because, you know, just like, no, I don't think you understand. I need that money. I am, I'm going to have that money. Your, your objections now are noted. But moot. Cool. Um, so what do you guys think causes a lack of player engagement? I'm sure there are lots of causes, but yeah. It, we could I mean, we could be here all night, night honestly. Um, yeah. well we have 15 minutes. I, I think, so talk fast. <laughs> I, I, think, 
Faster. I think there, there are two major sources of players getting disengaged, and that's um, either a disconnect with their character, mm-hmm. which they may not even realize. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not connected to your character, if, you, if, you're, if you're not having fun playing your character or you don't have any sort of emotional connection to them, then it's hard to just get engaged at all. It'd be like trying to play somebody else's character at a table. Like, how would that work, you know? It's, it's not as fun to grab somebody else's character sheet and play that. You want to play your character, right? Um, so that's the one that help, that that happens to me the most often in a game when I get disengaged mm-hmm. is I just, I don't, uh, the character just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like I'm playing the character. It feels like I'm playing something else. Um, and that usually just means I either change up the character or I do something different. Um, one example of that happening to me was I was starting a Tomb of Annihilation campaign, and I wanted to play a cleric. Um, and the whole point of this cleric's backstory is that they hate undead. They are mm-hmm. abhorrent of undead. They want to, um, you know, cleanse the world essentially. Um, so when they got to uh, uh, the island, I forget the na- island's name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just flummoxed by the idea that people are like oh yeah no undead are just like a common thing here and it became this very meme thing and i tried playing the character for another couple of sessions and it just felt like the character was a meme in that setting and i didn't intend for that so i just decided you know what i'm going to scrap this character before i lose interest in this campaign and i'm going to build something else and then the other uh major thing is just either a, a disconnect with the group um, which it can be any number of things, really. Um, I feel like, you know, if you're all at a physical table together, that's a little bit harder to have happen, obviously. If you're all on screens, it's a little bit easier to just not mesh with the group and not have as much fun. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't fist fight people over, over a stream either. <laughs> this is true. It's the fist yeah. fights that really bring a D&D group together. <laughs> it is. You know, the punches are all with love, uh-huh. but also a lot of force. <laughs> I, I think there's also another thing, kind of going off the first point that you made of um, the disengagement from the character. It can also happen if the character feels disengaged from or if, you, if you, your character is disengaged from the narrative or from the world around them because then it becomes hard to even if you are engaged with a character and invested in said character you feel like the only person that is putting the effort in to have that investment is you and the rest of the world is sort of ambivalent to their existence because nothing is happening that relates to anything that they anything they're trying to accomplish anything they actually care about or like their goals are all just basically running into a brick wall every single time they try and pursue them. And if you want to have, you know, failed attempts at pursuing life goals, then go outside. That's where that shit lives. D&D is escapism and fun. I don't need the fact that I can't get this shit done in my, in my nerd life. I have enough problems like that if I go to work. That's a plotting issue, kind of. That, that can be something, too, because, like, you could be totally, like I said, you could be totally invested in your character, but then if the plot for your character is like, okay, I'm going to try and pursue this thing. No, you're not. Okay, I guess I can try and do this thing. No, you're not doing that either. Like, then where the hell am I going? I mean, like, okay, fine. I guess like, I'm just sitting here and stab some ogres yeah. or something, but, like, if that's it, then that's it. And eventually, just sort of, it, it just sort of 
starts to wear on like wear on the engagement level there because it because all comes down to how you feel like you can interact with the the main world itself and how it's going to interact back with you mm-hmm. i think disengagement can be um contagious yeah definitely. yeah and- because if if another player is not feeling it, you can always tell. And they're not mm-hmm. especially fun to play with. It brings the whole table down. And especially if the DM is not having fun, that colors the whole thing. Oh, yeah. If the DM is disengaged, then uh, either fix it or quit quick. Because yeah. there's not much you can do if the DM doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And and that's and honestly, that's what I personally feel. If a player is disengaged, it's the entire group's prerogative, including the disengaged player in the DM, mm-hmm. to find a way to fix the problem as fast as possible. I feel like 99 times out of 100, groups dissolve because of disengagement and mm-hmm. in, in some way or another. Like either you're fighting with your friends IRL and that's bleeding over into the game, which is causing you know the group to come become toxic. Or, you know, you're, you just, you don't care enough anymore. You're too busy. Life's getting in the way and you're just not interested and people want you to be engaged and it's frustrating because you're not, you know, reciprocating, um, you know, whatever the reason ends up being. I feel like that's how groups fall apart. If not the only reason why groups fall apart, then one of the fastest reasons groups fall apart. It would be a big one. Why? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Probably the number one, apart from like scheduling issues. It could be, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, because if there's one person who is all of a sudden just like, well, this is complete balls and I'm not enjoying myself anymore, that kind of thing is actually contagious. Like you said, Mm -hmm. because like if that person starts phoning it in, there there's a level of energy that was that's sort of required to sort like to keep at a mean level in order to make sure that things don't dip down and people don't start just giving up on crap like well this is dumb i mean fuck it i guess i cast this spell now fireball whatever eldritch blast (laughs) yeah oh that'd be i mean that'd be a funny character but if only only if it was in character yeah it would be if you're just basically a warlock it's like fuck eldritch eldritch blast you're just so done you know you've been been at this forever (laughs) Finite dimension door over there, God! <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, so, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> no, definitely funny. So, yeah. to what degree do you think, like, how how do you portion up the responsibility for engagement when it comes to a table? Because I'd say it's not all on the DM. Like, no. players have an obligation to to try and engage with each other. But it's a bit on the DM because the DM needs to make sure they're appealing to everyone's play styles properly. Mm-hmm. But it's also on the players a bit because they need to pay attention. I feel so. like it's shared equally, honestly. I, I, would, I, I would agree with that. I, I feel like as the player, you have a responsibility to your own character. You also have a responsibility through that character to the other characters that are in the group that your that your character is in. Therefore, the player also has a responsibility to the other players, and the DM has a responsibility to care for the characters and other players as well. So it's a it's a complete symbiosis that's happening here. Like this entire system, everyone is equally responsible. So if one person is just suddenly not feeling it anymore and completely not into it, then it does fall to everyone there 
to try and see what part was played in it by what your character did, by what you as a player did. What did the DM do or not do? Or again, what did the players, other players not do? What did the other characters not do? Like, is there some misstep that was made that sort of led down here? Because nobody stops caring about shit overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just wake up like, well, fuck this guy. I don't care anymore. I, don't, I do not care whether or not this monk lives or dies. Like, it, it's all just, there is a road that leads to ruin. And the last step is, you know what? I'm tired. Here's my character mm -hmm. sheet. I'm going to go play Assassin's Creed instead of doing this shit with my time. You know, like that point is a breaking point and to break a lot of pressure must be applied to get there, you know, so. Usually a lot of little things piling up. Yeah, um, I keep, I say this about a lot of things. The death of a thousand paper cuts is a way to die. It's, it's a long, it's a it's long and arduous life. one, yeah. but it is a way to go. Oh, you really gotta commit to those paper cuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> one drop of blood each. Yeah, I know. So, I know right? uh, Jake. You talked before a bit about that one character who you felt just wasn't suited to the world. Um, so you felt yourself getting disengaged. But I don't. Know, do you both have any other examples of like times when you, as either players or DMs, just kind of stopped feeling it, and what caused that? Um. <sighs> The only other times I've really ever felt disengaged in a game of D&D &D is usually when life stuff is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if th there were some stressful points uh, in, in my life where D&D &D as an escape tool was not what I needed. Um, I just needed to not, you know, I, I needed time not to think about stuff. Uh, I even did that um, with our Wednesday game not that long ago, where I just like came forward and I was like, like hey, I, I need a break. I can't do it this week. I'm going crazy. It was when my it was when grades were due for, mm -hmm. for teaching. So I you know I, I just I could not focus enough to give. You didn't have the mental good, real estate. Yeah, to 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 give a good session, especially as a DM. You know, maybe I could have gotten away with it as a player, but as a DM, no way. I would have been disengaged. I would have been not very useful. The storytelling would have been. So I, I just came forward and I said, like, hey, guys, we need we need a break. I need a break for one week. Yeah. Um, as far as as a DM, there is a game that I ran at home with Laura and a couple of people we used to play with. I've mentioned them mm -hmm. several times. Um, it was shortly after there was one character whose pacifist cleric died because they literally refused to get on a thing that would car. let them escape from somewhere. And then the replacement characters that came in, uh, the, one, the one person made an elf who leaned into the whole elves are mildly racist aspect of their personality and took it to not mild at all to an uncomfortable level and the only non-elf in the party at that point was Laura's character. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, if this is how this is gonna keep going, um, I'm not really enjoying what these other players are bringing to the table. My wife is miserable right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> and because like that one in one session, I went from being all in on trying to, you know, figure out how to 
get things back on track with the character dying and with another character being replaced because the two characters kind of went together in in a way to saying well i'm never scheduling this again <laughs> and that's all it can take is just one bad session you know it's like sometimes it's one bad day is all that stands between you and madness and that's kind of like the same sort of thing there one bad so session will break the, a campaign so was the characters like not or was the players not playing together nicely that ruined it for you um it was the way the player was having the character interact with stuff because not only was the character being a right awful bitch to another character but mm -hmm. also whenever something was on the table for okay well this is there's this thing that you guys look to look into. No, I don't want to. I'm going to stay here and read a book. That was literally the response of, oh, I'm just going to stay here and read my book. That, okay, I just said that there's this other thing over here. And this, it's just, that's part of their play style is they just didn't want to do stuff unless it directly affected them. And I almost had to, for a quest with, that was earlier in the campaign with the same player, but different characters, I had a, like, a, like a little seamstress in town that whose boyfriend disappeared and mm -hmm. you're going to like just to help a friend out try and look into where he went like oh no he's gone that's probably for the best i was this close to having to roll up a fucking shopkeeper as a playable character to send her off into the damn world to solve her own problems instead of giving people something to do oh poor little shopkeeper i know so it sounded like it sounded like that player wasn't that interested in playing it's felt that way like they seemed to be interested in playing you know they were there they did you know they did stuff but at the same time it's like whenever i was trying to take things into one direction i was fought yeah whenever i tried to move like, the plot along and it seems like they did not believe kind of in the player contract uh it's an unofficial yeah. player contract but the contract that says you are you are responsible for everyone else having fun too mm -hmm. yeah I, I, I believe you're absolutely correct about that. Uh, as far as as a player, when I was disengaged, uh, the campaign that uh, Laura and I were in before meeting up with everybody we play D&D with right now, mm -hmm. uh, there were several points where um, I had like, the worst of it was I had a character, I had my character who, I forget exactly what it, what it was, but he basically spent all night trying to drive a boat he had no idea how to drive because like the entire crew of the boat was murdered by vampires and then we were forced to, with no training at all, try yeah. to get this boat somewhere that was not the middle of the ocean. And my character is the only one smart enough to give it a shot and was exhausted by the end of it. And then said, okay, well, I have to go sleep now. So then my character is just off sleeping. But then a bunch of really loud shit starts happening on deck. I'm like, do I not know about any of this? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not far away. Do I literally not hear about any of this? Like, all right, well then fuck it. And I literally was sitting while playing D&D online. I turned on the fucking PlayStation and started playing Injustice 2 on mute. Like, well, clearly I'm not involved. So fuck you too. Like, Did they not let you roll like a perception check? Nope. Like, he just said, you're asleep. I'm an elf, it's trance, it's not really sleep. They kind of can sort of almost know what's going on maybe. So, but whatever, it's your, okay. this is apparently not my game. So you go right the hell ahead. I'm going to punch things mm -hmm. as Supergirl. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry about your boat. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like literally right. the next session or thing, I think was when we were just like, you know what? This is not working. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So again, player, DM, everybody contract. Gotta yeah, make sure yeah, everyone's like having the, fun. Yeah. At all that, times. And that's yeah. the basic player contract. If everyone is not delirious with happiness every single second of your game, you are all failures. That's the yes. rule. If everyone's not having fun, I will turn this campaign around right now. <laughs> right around. Okay. Um, one more question before we end. So mm-hmm. what can people do? Like what concrete things can um, people, DMs or players do to try and foster engagement? Various um, forms of railroading. Expand. Like, you can try to you can try to basically force engagement for a very brief period. And it's essentially like you're trying to start a fire. If you can spark something, a fire will ignite if the conditions are right, okay? Getting people in the habit. Essentially, like if you have a player who's horribly disengaged by what they're doing, if they feel like their character is not able to interact with the world successfully, nothing they're doing is working. So they're starting to just kind of just phone it in consistently. You got a backstory thread you can pull, pull it. You got a consequence that they don't think that they had coming up, shove it right in front of them. You have something that can just fall out of the sky like a fucking anvil on Wiley Coyote, drop that shit. And then you get that. And then all of a sudden they're paying attention. Like mm-hmm. you just, you've, you've basically forced them with like two seconds of railroading to interact with some new stimulus. Like that was, that was not there before. And like, and if they can latch onto that, because usually if someone's horribly disengaged, they're just looking for one hook to set and they will fucking bite immediately like a hungry trout and they will chase that thing down and they will go with it. But it's just, you've got to have something mm-hmm. to put in front of them. The second you do that should ideally mitigate the problem, if not solve it entirely, because then, you know, one thing can lead to another can lead to another can lead to another because you can build off of stuff even if it's just you pulled this out of your ass because you saw this person was just sort of phoning in the session like uh okay you remember that person that you robbed and left naked on the side of the street they had friends and they all have knives (laughs) but that kind of thing i think can work anything to add jake um, I, I think the only thing I would add with that is uh, actively getting the character to engage or the player to engage in RP more. Um, just make yeah. them feel more uh, included so that you can uh, try and get engagement through that way. Like d- the, the railroading is a great way for a DM to do it, but for mm-hmm. the other players, a good way would be to say, okay, well, we're, we're in town and we need to do our little shopping thing. I'm taking so-and-so with me. Wait, what? Yeah, no, you're example, coming with me. That's an example of player railroading. Kind players of, yeah. can railroad other players, and a player can even railroad the DM if you're basically saying, okay, I am pursuing this thing now, and I will not fucking stop until I get it. Like a risky the, strategy. The DM has no choice but to react to you at that point. Like, because if you feel like you are disengaged from the DM, fucking push something on him. Like, just like, I have to, I got nothing else. I'm going to try and railroad my own DM. It's risky. It don't always work, but you can give it a shot. Has it worked for you? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Okay, we don't have time to interrogate you further, unfortunately, because it has, <laughs> Freedom. Been, it has been an hour. Um, so that's it. That's our show, folks. Thank you both for being on the show for another wonderful episode of this uh, 
what's the damage? Um, thank you to the viewers for tuning in week after week. We appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom, especially she'll love us. Um, <laughs> check out our stores, check out our discord. We post a lot of memes. We're really funny. I promise. Um, tune in on Friday for the next exciting, exciting episode of Real for Damage. Tune in on Tuesday for the next exciting less exciting but it's exciting episode it has a level of excitement that's a, a valid statement okay okay medium exciting we're just a talk show um <laughs> but it's nobody dies talk. on this show unfortunately not yet but you know yet. give us time for the hundredth episode i will commit murder <laughs> <laughs> the problem i'm legally obligated now okay um yeah. oh so, stick around uh, for links and resources, thank you. Just <laughs> stick around for apparently premeditated murder. Okay, cool. Everyone's gonna forget by the time we by the time we have our episodes. It'll be a surprise by then. Uh. Um, thank you to Sunbird Lady Meows for our beautiful logo and awesome, you're beautiful, delicious um, theme music. Oh, that's it. I think I thanked everyone. Good night.